I read biographies a great deal, especially in the early formative days of my ministry that I read biographies so very, very often. <coughs> I have read <coughs> the lives of most of the great men. One of my favorite characters in all of history is General William Booth. General Booth was the founder of the great Salvation Army, when it was more salvation than it was army. He led in spreading the gospel over much of the world as he organized street meetings, service for other people, and so forth. With the passing of the years, General Booth became an invalid. His eyesight failed him, and he was in such bad health <coughs> that he was unable. One year, when the convention was held in London, England, to attend the Salvation Army Convention, somebody suggested that General Booth send the telegram or a message to be read at the opening of the convention. <coughs> General Booth agreed to do so when the thousands of delegates met. The moderator announced that General Booth would not be able to be present because of failing health and eyesight. Gloom and pessimism swept across the floor of the convention until a little light dispelled some of the darkness when the moderator announced that General Booth had sent a message to be read as the session, the first session opened. He opened this message and began to read, and this is what he said. Dear delegates of the Salvation Army Convention, others signed General Booth. That's all he said. Others signed General Booth. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. You recognized a while ago the words of our Lord. No one ever exemplified the other's life as did our Savior. And he never exemplified his life for others quite so beautifully and so clearly as he did when he was on the cross. As I've said from this pulpit several times and preached this sermon, our Lord was dying on the cross, suffering as no man ever suffered, agonizing as no man ever agonized, hurting as no man ever hurt. Father turned his back on him. His own race had crucified him. His own city had hated him. His own people had nailed him to the cross. And yet our Lord opens his mouth on the town Calvary, and the first statement that he makes has not to do with his own pain or his own suffering. But he says, Father, forgive them, 
They know not what they do. He did not speak of his own suffering. He could have said, I thirst. And after a while he will. But before he ever cries, I thirst, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. After a while he's going to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He'll speak in the third person pronoun. But not yet. Or the first person, but not yet. He speaks in the third person when he says, Forgive them. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Before he speaks about his own suffering, he says, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. Before he says, I thirst to my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or into thy hands I commend my spirit. He says, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. For our Lord had learned the lesson that most of us never learn. And that is to live as we ought to live, is to live for somebody else. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. I don't know who the person is tonight in this room who's the most miserable wretch here, but whoever he is lives for himself. I don't know who it is tonight who is the most unhappy creature in this room, but whoever it is has never lost himself in service for somebody else. I want you to notice these three sayings, the first three of our Lord's on the cross. The first place he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus died loving others and forgiving them. He died Loving others. There sits on my right on this platform tonight Brother Fisk. I kid him a great deal. But he's one of the great, if not the greatest, personal soul winner alive today. He came to this church. How many years ago? Fourteen years ago, he came to this church, an unsaved person. Came on a big special contest drive. He heard me preach. He thought I preached too loud and too long. I would never plead guilty to either. I thought he'd never come back. Somebody said he didn't like my preaching. I thought he'd never come back. The next Sunday he came back. He walked the aisle, professed his faith in Christ as his Savior. I couldn't believe it. I went back and shook his hand and said a word to him, and I said something like this, though I do not recall exactly what I said. I said, I'm surprised to see you back. I thought you didn't like my preaching. He assured me in no uncertain terms that I, that was an accurate appraisal. And then he said, I'll tell you why I came back. Because after the service last Sunday, you came up and placed your hand on my shoulder and your right hand in mine. And you said three words that no one other than my wife had ever said to me. I love you. I love you. I wonder how many people will be in heaven because the Holy Spirit 
Spirit inspired this preacher to say, I love you. If there is, and there is, a need among fundamental people tonight, it is for a baptism of love one for the other. Jesus died loving others. I love to tell this story, and uh, you may as well love to hear it. I preached at Bob Jones University for a few days, several years ago. And uh, I had to fly all night long, had to leave this pulpit and run it, rush out this door, and somebody met me out at the back door, rushed me out to O'Hare Field, got there just, the plane was to leave at 10, I got there a few minutes before 10. Delta Airlines, Convair 880 jet plane. I I never forget it because somebody had given me a sack of grapes to eat on the plane. I wish they'd have put two sacks around the grapes or wrapped the grapes in some kind of plastic or what do you call it, wax paper. Because I was late for the plane, my shoe came untied and I lost my shoe. So there I was. With a sack of grapes in this hand, a shoe and a suitcase in this hand, running around the air. They don't either. Stink. Fire. And then the grapes decided they wanted to work their way through the sack. Big sack of grapes. And as the great crowd of people rushing to their airplanes, grapes rolling all over the, high, uh, the, 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 uh, the aisle, the uh, concourse, the hallway. Grapes of wrath going everywhere. And wrath of grapes coming back toward me from people. I got on the plane. There was only one seat left and I felt led to take it. I sat down beside a little lady who had on a black sweater, a diamond pin on that sweater, a gorgeous diamond ring. I mean a beautiful diamond ring. It must have been, oh my, 35, 40 carats. You're so ignorant, you don't even know that's ridiculous, do you? But she had her hair rolled up. Anybody knows that no lady with any sense is going to take a trip with her hair rolled up. I couldn't understand it. Because her hair was rolled up, diamond pin right here, beautiful diamond ring, gorgeous diamond ring. Obviously was wealthy, but obviously wasn't prepared to travel. I sat down beside her, spoke to her, as I usually do. I, I had the misfortune of being reared in the South where folks are friendly and did not learn, you know, that you're not supposed to be friendly. So I moved up here. And uh, anyway, uh, try to control yourselves, all you rebels now. <clears throat> so I said, howdy, how are you? She said, fine, how are you? I chatted for a few minutes, and then as always, I went off to sleep. I slept for an hour. I was awakened by the touching of the wheels on the runway at Cincinnati, Ohio. When I heard uh, I felt the wheels touching, I stretched and woke up. Looked around. The little lady looked at me and she said, Mr., could I ask you a question? I said, what? She said, how could you do what you did while you were asleep? I thought, good night. What did I do while I was asleep? I said, ma'am, what did I do? 
She said, sir, we have been in a storm. This plane has almost turned over. It is the worst storm we've ever seen on a plane. One of the stewardesses got so scared, she locked herself in the restroom. We've had our heads in our pillows like this. We've been having prayer meetings. Some folks have been praying out loud. And you've been over there going... How could you do it? And I said, dear lady, there are two reasons, I guess. One reason is, I fly 150,000 miles a year on these planes. But the other is, my father owns this airplane. Your father owns this airplane. <laughs> yes, I said, he owns the Delta Airlines. Her pen turned to glass. She said, your father owns Delta Airlines? <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am, and American Airlines. <laughs> Delta and American? Eastern and Allegheny, too. <laughs> your father owns Delta, American, Eastern, and Allegheny? And Braniff, and United, and Western, and Ozark. Her ring evaporated. Her hair fell. She said, I am so honored to be sitting beside the heir of the Delta American United Allegheny Braniff Ozark and Eastern Millions. I said, thank you. <laughs> she said, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, ma'am. Who is your father? And I said, he's the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then... She screamed so loudly that everybody on the plane heard her. She sat up in her seat and pointed me and said, I know what you are. I said, don't tell them. Don't tell them what I am. And my somewhat of a hoarse voice tonight will not allow me to, to, to scream as loudly as she screamed. But she said, everybody in the plane, you, you've seen these commercials about... My uh, broker is uh, E.F. Hutton, you know. And everybody goes, well, that's what she did. She said it's so loud, everybody went. She said, you're a minister, that's what you are. And I said, I already knew that. But I said, I'm more than that. I'm a Christian. I said, Jesus is my Savior, and my Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. They're my Father's, so they're mine as well. Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know he'll care for me. Amen. And then she screamed so loudly, I'll never forget it. She said, Mister, and she screamed louder than I can scream tonight. Mister? 
Tell me one thing. Tell me! Does your God want me too? And everybody on the plane heard her. Folks gathered around. They knew she was an emotionally disturbed lady. And I said, yes, my God loves you too. And I love you because he loves you. We were flying between Cincinnati, Ohio and Atlanta, Georgia. And I told her 28,000 feet in the air, wonderful story of love, tell it to me again. Wonderful story of love, wake the immortal strand. Angels with rapture announce it, shepherds with wonder receive it. Sinner, oh, won't you believe it, wonderful story of love. I love to tell the story. For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. When in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, it'll just be the old, old story that I've loved so long. And how many times have I told it from this pulpit through these years? Oh, thank God it never grows old. Wonderful thing. For ten years, one book, just one book, preached from it all the time. Never grows old. Never grows old. I told her the story. 28,000 feet in the air. My father adopted her into his family. And she was born of the Spirit of God. I thought about that shriek of cry. She told me the sad story. She told me how that her husband had just left her. And how that, uh, that he, was, he was the manager of the manufacturing and mining company up here at uh, Racine, Wisconsin. And how that she had just tried to kill herself. She rolled up a sleeve of a sweater and said, look at there. She showed me on her arms there. She had taken a razor blade and she had tried to kill herself. And that found her already almost unconscious. And that gotten her back to, back to life and back to, back to consciousness. And the sister, she said, I have a sister in Atlanta, Georgia, who's a Christian. And she said, they put me on an airplane and hoped it'd save my life. And she said, of all things, of all the people that come, a minister of the gospel had come and she had sweetly saved 28,000 feet in the air. And I thought about it. I wonder how many people tonight wonder if our God loves them. Oh, would God we could... And I, I was thinking tonight, I hope, I hope I'll learn someday to live for other people. I hope I'll learn what it is before I see him. To so bathe myself in service for others, it won't matter anymore. Oh, good night. This is a heart-sick, sin-sick old world. Everybody's weeping, and the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together. Everybody needs somebody to help them. There's a great need. You want a job? You want something to do for God? Just try to help other people. Oh, my. Honestly, I mean it. I, I never go home at night late but wonder. I wonder, as I drive home after counseling and counseling and trying to help, I wonder how many people out yonder in this area, this great Chicago region, could use some help. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. He died loving others. That leads us to our second thought. And to me, this is one of the sweetest things ever written in the Bible. Jesus is dying on the cross. God incarnate. The very God of gods, clothed in flesh. The pre-existent, eternal Son of God on earth, walked among men. Now He's on the cross. The most important hour in the history of, the, of, of, history of civilization. 
Calvary. Calvary. All the rivers of history empty into Calvary. And all the streams of prophecy find their source at Calvary. Look at Him. He's dying. Look at Him. That's the Son of God. Look at Him. He had fellowship with the Father before the world was. Look at Him. He's virgin born. Look at Him. He lived a sinless life. Look at Him. All the doctrines of justification and propitiation and sanctification and glorification and predestination, all the Bible doctrines are wrapped up in what's going on right there on Calvary. If He comes down, we're doomed. If He stays there, we'll live forever with Christ. Calvary. He's opening His mouth. He's going to speak. God incarnate is going to speak. He has a message for us. I wonder what it will be. I wonder if he'll give us a dissertation on justification. Hey, maybe he'll tell us something about the great doctrine of predestination that none of us quite understand. Or maybe he'll tell us something about propitiation or the heart of God. What is he going to say? Shh, listen. I wonder what profound words will come through his lips. He's opening his mouth. John, take care, Mama. Mama, John's going to take care of you. There's something so sweet about that. I cannot even walk through the garden without feeling I profaned the petals of the roses. Why wouldn't he speak about a great doctrine? I'll tell you why. When Jesus died, he wouldn't say I first. But he took care of his Mama. He died caring for the needs of others. After a while, he's going to say, My God, why hast thou forsaken me, but not yet? First, he wants to care for the needs of others. And let me say this. You will never be happy. You're barking up an empty tree. You're running down a dead-end road. You'll never be happy. You'll never be happy. You'll never be happy. You will never be happy. Till you lose yourself. Forget yourself. Forget your own needs. Forget, forget your own likes and dislikes. Bathe yourself in service for other people. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. I think I'm a happy man. I think folks around me know that I'm rather happy. I enjoy life. If happiness were brought tonight by, by money in the bank, I would not be happy. I have no money in the bank. If happiness came tonight by friends or a lack of enemies, I wouldn't be happy. I've got, I have thousands of enemies. But whatever degree of happiness I found, I found in trying to help somebody else. Help somebody today. Somebody along life's way. That's the secret. There's a lady, I think, she's in this auditorium tonight. If she's not, she usually is. Came to my office one day several years ago and said, Pastor, I'm about to crack up. Well, that's nothing unusual. All ladies are about to crack up. Every lady I know has either just had a nervous breakdown or is having one now. 
or is planning to have one as soon as she can work in her, into her busy schedule. She said, I'm about to crack up. Can you help me? I said, yes, ma'am, I can help you. She said, how? I said, go bake some cookies. She said, and what does baking cookies have to do with my nervous breakdown? I said, go bake some cookies and take them to some deaf people in our church. Spend an hour with them and tell them you love them. Tomorrow, bake a cake. Take that cake to some blind person. Spend a little while with him. The next day, I said, go down to the hospital with a dozen roses and go to each room in the hospital that has nobody visiting and give a rose and have a prayer with somebody that has no visitors. And I said, every day of your life, you spend at least one hour, at least one hour, at least one hour forgetting yourself and thinking of others. I said, that'll take care of that nervous breakdown. I didn't see her for a while. She seemed like she was trying to avoid me. One Sunday morning after months had passed, I happened to catch her back at the back. I called her by name and I said, uh, how about that nervous breakdown you were supposed to have? She said, I got so busy, I called it off. You could call yours off too. You know what your trouble is? Self. Somebody offended you. Somebody didn't treat you right. Somebody mistreated you. You didn't get what you were supposed to get. If you got it, you wouldn't be happy. Others. Others. I'm going to tell the story that I have told so often here, and I love to tell it, and it's one of the closing stories in, in this auditorium. One Sunday morning over the other building. Now, Pat Pellucci, are you here? Is Pat Pellucci here tonight? I like to tell it when she's here. She's probably in the early service. A little bus girl, nine years of age, walked down the aisle in that old building over there. Got saved one morning. She had an old, I can still see her coat. Some of you folks that knew Pat. Uh, she was sort of tubby little girl. She's always been tubby. She still is a little tubby. <laughs> Since she's not here, I'll say that. And, uh, of course, the whole world hear it on tape. But, uh, anyway, she, uh, uh, she came down the aisle and got saved. She had an old imitation fur coat. She got saved like many other little girls get saved. But after the service was over, little Pat, middle-sized Pat, came and knocked on the door of my study. I went to the door and I said, same study I have now. I said, can I help you? She said, I'm Pat. She said, well, the house, my mommy ain't saved yet. Would you pray that my mommy would get saved? And I prayed for her mommy to be saved. And uh, the next Sunday night, next Sunday morning after the service, knocked on the door, went to the door, little Pat. She said, well, the house, mommy ain't saved yet. Would you pray mommy would get saved? I prayed. Next Sunday morning after the service, it got to where almost every Sunday, if not every Sunday, Pat would knock on my door, and I knew I'd know who it was, and I wouldn't want to answer the door, and I'd be busy, no matter whether I was praying or winning a soul or counseling. Would you pray, my mommy gets saved? Almost for nine, almost nine years, she came by and, pray, and asked me to pray. I'll never forget it. One Wednesday night, I walked out this door and over here, and down that hallway. And right back here where you go, start go, go to the door to go down the stairs to the catacombs. Uh, uh, little Pat met me there. She's 18 now. She was then. She said, Brother Hiles, could I have my senior appointment with you? And as you know, I have a senior appointment with all the seniors every year and discuss the future of each senior. 
And I said, Pat, I won't have to have a senior appointment with you because, Pat, uh, I know what I want you to do. I can tell you right now what you ought to do. And Pat said, what? And I said, I want you to go to a Christian college and prepare to serve God full time. She got mad at me. She put her hands on her hips like this. She stomped her foot. Nobody here stomps her foot at me except Pat. And she stomped her foot and she said, Well, Mr. Hiles! Mr. Hiles. Oh, brother called the Pope Paulie. <laughs> Mr. Hiles, you don't even know who I am. And I said, Yes, I do. You're Pat. You're one, of, you, you, you're one of our bus kids. Well, how do you expect a bus kid to afford to go to college? And I said, I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. But I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if there were a God? And Pat said, there's a God and you know it. Almost insolent. If we'd had a school, I'd have given her 150 demerits. <laughs> I may do it anyhow. Make them retroactive. I said, Pat, wouldn't it be wonderful if that God weren't flat-busted? He's not flat-busted. He's rich, and you know it. I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if he weren't such a tightwad? He's not a tightwad. He's generous, and you know it. Oh, I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if he loved little bus kids and would send them to college? She got mad again, put her hands on her hips, and stomped again, and called me Mr. Hiles again. And I wanted to kill her again. She said, Mr. Hiles, for your information, there is a God, and he's rich, and he's generous, and he loves bus kids, and for your information, I'm going to college. We knelt right back there, right back there in that hallway, right, right at the top of those steps. And we prayed down a college education for a little path that night. Two, eight weeks to the night. She met me right here after a Wednesday night service. She had her hand, I can see her now, had her hand full of green bills. She was crying. She said, Brother Hiles, she said, there are $200, there's $200 here that people have given me that don't even know me. She said, there is a God, and he loves me, and he's generous, and he's rich. And I'll leave it for college tomorrow at 12 o'clock. On a Greyhound bus or some bus. That next next day I got the staff together. We had 15 folks on the staff at the time. Some of the folks remember this. We got on one of the old buses that Pat had ridden on for nine years. And rode down here on uh, Conkey Street where Pat lived. And about a quarter of 12, 15 minutes before she left, we called her out to the bus and gave her a personal shower on the bus. I never will forget it. One of the ladies on the staff bought her a... Uh, two of the ladies went in together and bought her a pair of... Uh, and one lady bought her a... <laughs> you see, it was a personal shower. And... Uh, after she'd opened all the presents and all the men had blushed, she said, Brother Hiles, could I kiss you on the cheek? 
audacity as you may. And the angels wept with envy as they saw Pat get to kiss me. I know what you're talking and thinking about <laughs> on the cheek. Gabriel said, I wish I could do that. And little Pat kissed me on the cheek. And she said, Brother Hiles, there's a God. And he loves me. And he's rich. And he's generous. And Brother Hiles, I love you so much. You fed me and told me and loved me and prayed. Her mother got saved the next Sunday right here in this auditorium. She went off to school. Five months passed folks on the staff will remember this I got a long distance call one day long distance from Chattanooga, Tennessee from Pat Pellucci little stinker she called me collect would you believe it <coughs> everybody that calls me calls me collect I don't even recall the last long distance call I had but it paid for it when you're wealthy like I am your father owns many airlines no problem Hello, long distance calling, collect, Reverend Jack Hiles, this is Brother Hiles. Brother Hiles, this is Pat. I'm so happy. I wanted you to know, Brother Hiles is the happiest day of my life. I want you to know first, I haven't told my mother yet. I haven't told my father yet. I wanted you to know first, I haven't told my sister yet. And I said, you haven't told your pastor yet either. <laughs> she said, Brother Hiles. A preacher just proposed to me. Well, if you can't get a man, I guess a preacher will have to do. <laughs> she said, I'm so happy. And I put the phone over here on the desk. Didn't hang it up, put it on the desk. I felt a spell coming on. When I have a spell, I always take off my shoes. I took off my shoes, jumped around the room, clapping my hands and saying, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. My mind went back to that morning when the nine-year-old girl got saved. And this little meeting we had back here behind the choir. I heard Pat's voice saying, Brother Hiles, Brother Hiles, Brother Hiles. I went over and said, what is it? She said, this is costing money. I said, don't forget, honey, it was collect. I put it down, clapped my hands some more, and rejoiced and praised the Lord. The next June, I stood right here, right here. And the young man stood right here beside me. And down those steps, Pat came. A bus kid, just a bus kid. She walked down the aisle. We slobbered through a ceremony together. I slobber through everything I do. And uh, she was married. After the ceremony, she said, Brother Hiles, aren't you going to preach at Highland Park in Chattanooga and Tennessee Temple School? Forgive the terms I'm using here. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> she said, uh, aren't you going to do it this summer? 
And I said, yes. She said, would you, would you come in our little apartment and let me fix you a meal? I'd just love to have you. I said, why, sure. So on Friday at noon, about 10 minutes to noon, I walked up some, some long stairway to the typical second floor apartment of her college students. And I, it was summertime. And the screen door was, was closed, but the main door was open. And I heard Pat say, I wish I could die. Well, I didn't think it's that bad to have me over to eat. I couldn't understand what, what the deal was. I wish I could die. I wish I could die. So I decided to wait and see why she wanted to terminate existence. And, and uh, so I, I listened. And she said these words to her husband. She said, I burned the steak. I burned the steak. I wanted to serve for the house a good meal, but I burned the steak. I don't want to live. After she came in for a brief landing, I said, I'm here. She said, come in. I went in. Nobody as yet came to the door. I just stand there by myself in the other room. I said, Pat, what are we having for lunch? She said, steak. I said, Pat, do me a favor. What? I said, I like my steak burned. Would you put my, my piece back in the oven and just burn it slightly? And I heard her say, Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, we had a lovely meal. I sat here, and Pat sat here, and her husband sat over here. And we had an enjoyable meal. My steak was highly baptized with ketchup. But uh, we had a lovely meal. And uh, when it was all over, Pat said, Brother Hiles, I've asked my husband, could I kiss you on the cheek again? And I said, why, sure. She said, first, we bought you something. She gave me a little, a little gift wrap package. I opened it. It was a little notebook. You've seen these little uh, plastic notebooks about this big. cost a dollar. I know why it cost. I know you, I'll tell you why I know. Because the price tag was still on it. When you buy a gift that expensive, you ought to leave the price tag on it. And I opened it, and they were so pleased, and I was so pleased. I still have it. I wouldn't trade it for the Taj Mahal. And she said, as she placed a gentle kiss on my cheek for the Hiles, there's a God, and He's rich, and He loves us kids, and He's generous. Amen. And Brother Hiles, I love you. I appreciate you. And after I left, I can't sing. And I sing the angels weep and heaven's flag is flown for three days at a half mass. <laughs> and I walk down the sidewalk singing and crying. Lord, let me live from day to day such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. It was Elizabeth Barrett who married Robert Browning. She was an invalid. Could not, did not for many, many, many months even lift her head off the pillow. Till one day Robert Browning came to see her. 
On his first visit, she lifted up her head for the first time in months. On his second visit, she sat up in bed. On his third visit, she eloped with him. Others. Others. Jesus died. God incarnate. The pre-existent Son of God becoming flesh. All the sins of all the universe, all the world, heaped upon his shoulders. Suffering as no man suffered and saw the backside of the Father for the first time in eternity. But he said, John, take care of Mama. Mama, John's going to take care of you. And then he said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He died saving others. Time is gone. I won't go into the last point except to say this. I've been your pastor over 15 years. Over 10 of it has been in this auditorium. There's one thing I want for my people. I want you to forget yourself. I want you happy. I want you to live the victorious life. I don't want you miserable. I want you happy. God knows I do. I want the best for you. You're my people. I love the word preacher, pastor. I'm back between services tonight. You got me so spoiled, it's pitiful. Between services tonight. And I said... I wish I had a little, just some, I didn't have a thing much over there to eat. I said, I think I need a little energy. And uh, I opened the door, saw a little package of peanuts that somebody left me under the door tonight. Maybe some little girl. <laughs> and here's the sweet thing about it, and Jesus is this way. I said, how can I eat the peanuts? Because the, 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 the hull, the, you know, the, not the hull, but the peanut. The nut, they'll stay in my teeth. And I preach like that. But the little girl, whoever gave it to me, had, had thought about that too. She had a little piece of dentine chewing gum that I could eat where the, the leftover nuts would stick to the gum. And I have them like that a time. The Lord's that way, and you're that way. Somebody left me a three tomatoes. And that's the way it is all the time. Little notes, little girls saying, I love you. Little boys write notes and say, I'm glad you're my preacher. So I want the best for you. Listen to me. I know when I'm not happy, it's because of selfishness. And I know when you're not happy, it's because of selfishness. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? If we could so live that the theme song of our lives would be, Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mama, John's going to take care of you. John, you take care of Mama. Behold thy son. Behold thy mother. Today, 
shalt thou be with me in paradise. I'd like to close my ministry from behind this place with one word to my people. Others. Sign your pastor. Shall we pray? Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this Dr. Jack Hiles' motto be, let me live for others that I may live like thee. And what I ask for myself, I ask for my people in the closing minutes of this hour. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The fellow leaving back, come back in. Heads are bowed. No one looking. One of the fellows back in the back on my left, there's a boy left, ought to get back in here. He's, he's, he doesn't mean any good by going out. How about your life tonight? Huh? What's your other's record? Hmm? Have you been critical of other people? That's because you live for yourself. Critics always... Try to exalt themselves. I wonder who would say tonight, Brother Hiles, you, you got me right between the eyes. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart tonight. I've been a selfish person. I stand condemned tonight when, ex- when compared to the Savior who, di- who died saying, Forgive others. Care for others. Save others.